You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. This is an American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to a guy with a hat who looks like a bonnet. He looks like he has a kind of a bonnet on. (laughs) It froze on me. Did you hear what I said? No. You look like you I said, this guy who looks like he's wearing a bonnet. It looks like he might have a bonnet on. Ah. You can see how... It even look more like that. Yeah. Uh, Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. That was a little loud. There you you go. Relax a little bit and just make it more conversational. Let's try it again. Go ahead. No. Okay. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Again, it's very stiff and not friendly if that makes sense it seems a little gareth actually, reynolds who has no idea what the topic is going to be about are you mad about stuff gareth reynolds who has no idea what the topic is going to be about so we do you know what backwards is gareth reynolds who has no idea what the topic is going to be about okay it's getting uh i would just call it gareth slower and called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy! Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Adam. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> Come on, Rose, let's play! Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo! No sleep tell hippo! That action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Look, there is no quick fix for anxiety, depression. Uh, it's just you can't pick a new therapist and feel better all of a sudden or start like exercising. And there's, there's work. You got to put work into it. And sometimes, sometimes something comes along and you can kind of unlock your brain a little bit. Yes. Start a new way of thinking about seeing the world. Maybe that thing is a guided ketamine therapy situation from Mind Bloom. Yes. Right? Yes. I was talking to someone I know who has just started doing this. You can now do this anywhere. And she finds it so helpful. And it's been in therapy a ton. And something like this just is kind of like it uncorks a different part of yourself. Right. So uh, there's a new tool to improve your mental health at home ketamine therapy. Mind Bloom is the leader. In at-home ketamine therapy, having safely helped thousands of people overcome their anxiety and depression. Unlike traditional talk therapy, ketamine works quickly and doesn't have the unpleasant side effects of traditional antidepressants. In a study of over 1,200 Mind Boom clients, 89% reported improvements in their anxiety and depression after only two sessions. That's pretty good. Right now, uh, MindBloom is offering our listeners $100 off your first six-session program when you sign up at mindbloom.com slash dollop and use promo code dollop. Take the first step and break free from your anxiety and depression with MindBloom. Mindbloom.com slash dollop. Use promo code dollop. Dave, we uh, are going to be on tour. Uh, I think everybody's pretty excited about it. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, We are going to be uh, in San Jose on July 26th, in San Francisco on July 28th, in Sacramento on July 30th, in Boise on August 1st, in Salt Lake City. We'll get to those in a second. On August 5th, we'll be in Boulder. 
We'll be in Las Vegas on August 9th. You can buy a row. Uh, we'll be in Phoenix August 10th, and August 12th we'll be in San Diego. And then uh, we sold out our original Salt Lake Denver show, so we've added two more. Uh, August 2nd we'll be in Salt Lake, and August 7th we'll be in Denver. So go to dollappodcast.com for all that stuff. I would Get, make it happen. Did we announce the further uh, the further away dates? Uh, oh no, we didn't. I Bloomington on uh, the seventh of October, and then we're in Chicago, Madison, and Milwaukee. Uh, right after that. Dollapodcast.com. Bam. Uh, all right. Uh, you excited? No. So we're doing one that we previously did that got lost. Um, Why did it get lost? Bad recording. Where was it? Where did we do it? Was it, it Atlanta? Atlanta, yeah. December 17th, 1962, year of our lordy, he's a Christy, also known as mm-hmm. J-Town. Yeah. By the way. Your best, your best friend, man. He's so great. I've come around. Right. Now that everybody's like put, yeah, now that everybody's shown pictures and. Yep. He's, I get uh, it. he's doing a lot of stuff. He's putting together a band. Deadlift. He's doing painting. He did a lot yeah, of... you've really shown me the way. He set off a lot of fireworks on the 4th of July. Like, Jesus, man. Right. Fireworks. Sure. He was, like, running down yep. the road, shooting uh, Roman candles at people. Mm-hmm. Like, he was full... He mm-hmm. was one of those guys that was, like, four days of fireworks. He got arrested. Shirtless. He did it all shirtless. He got too. arrested. Yeah. He got arrested. Well, he was thrown in jail for four days. He's J-Town. And I'll tell you what, the kids love it. More kids are finding Christ all the time because of it. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. No, this turn has been normal and makes sense. Yeah. And- Yep. Yep. Great. Yep. Richard White was born in Danville, Georgia. His mom, right. his mom Bobby, was an insurance claims coordinator, and Dad, okay. Robert Earl, worked for Chevrolet. Nice. Love Heartbeat Chevrolet. of America. Heartbeat. Yeah. But Robert liked to have sex with other women, and so they divorced when Richard was four. She's one of those women who takes issue with that. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't want you fucking other people. Yeah. Like that crybaby yeah. stuff. Yeah. She's like your wife. Yeah. She's just been unbelievably <laughs> rude about that sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, Bobby then met John Jewell, and they got married, and then John adopted Richard. So, hence the okay. name Jewell. So, he's our Jewell, isn't right. he? Isn't he? Right. He's our little Jewell. Nope. Stop it. Richard uh, was his mother. Richard and his mom are very, very close. And when he turned six, they moved to Atlanta. Hot Atlanta, as they call it. (laughs) Down there. Uh, He wasn't really popular. He helped the teachers. uh, And in high school, he was the school. Well, he helped the teachers. He's like a teacher helper kid. You know, I I know the type. Yeah. Uh, and then in high school, he was the school crossing guard. Ugh. So that's like, I never want to kiss a girl uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I told, I don't know if I, this, the, the thing about redoing any of these is I'm like, did I say this? But the, it's so weird. The guy who I'm about to tell this story about his brother came to my show two nights ago randomly. And it was great to see him. But his brother... Well, his name was Andrew Seaman, and as you can imagine, when you were like Don't. in sixth grade, and a new kid comes to school named Andrew Seaman, that's bad. It was like bad. Yeah. Um, but his brother was the crossing guard, and his name was Chris. And in the yearbook, his name, because I think his middle name was like you know Patrick or something, 
The name he had in the yearbook was Chris P. Seaman. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. That, That's... And that, and it was like he was the crossing guard. And that, so that when I think of the type, I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know. Seaman. Yeah, crispy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not no. great. No. Uh, so... He's the crossing guard. He also ran the movie projector. Uh, he wanted to be an athlete, but he wasn't good enough to be an athlete, which right there is 90% sure. of people. Right. Um, one teacher said Richard was very genuine, uh, a good kid, and he was always willing to help. After high school, he enrolled in a technical school in southern Georgia to become a mechanic. Okay. Uh, but just three days in, his adopted father skipped out on Bobby. Quote, hmm. he left a note saying that he was a failure and no good for us. Okay. You, buy... I, you could do so much better if you're going to do like a Dear John uh, or yeah. a Dear Bobby. That's a bullshit letter. You could letter. just be like, yeah. yeah. Your letter's like, no, it's me. It's not you. It's me. It's me. You could do so much better than me. And you won't. Uh, so Richard moves back home. And uh, okay. he gets work at a car repair shop. And then when he's 22, he gets a job as a mall clerk. Uh, sorry, mail clerk at the uh, Small Business Association, the SBA, which you're very familiar with. Uh, mm -hmm. And there he meets lawyer Watson Bryant and they become friends. Okay. And at this point, Richard's dream now is to become a policeman. He really, really wants to be a cop. Nice. And all the lawyers... Uh, really like Richard. They nicknamed him Radar after the MASH character because he was efficient and I'm sure it had nothing to do with him not getting laid and being like a boy. Right? Right. Sure. But let's pretend like it was for efficiency. Yeah, Watson said, quote, you could say, I'm hungry, and suddenly this kid would be by your side with a Snickers bar. No, I said, mm. I, no, I said I'm hungry. So, But so it's like... I and that's and it, he's on his way to becoming a cop, and he just everyone likes him because he's kind of like a little he does everything for people. Yeah, kind of kissy assy. Yeah, he is, this is very kissy assy. I mean, if you told me that I if I said I'm hungry, a guy shows up at a, a Snickers bar, I'd be like, I don't know, want you. And definitely, I think Snickers stole their campaign from this, by the way. From yeah, I mean, it's hungry. Like why it. wait? Yeah. Uh, so Richard next gets a job as a Marriott house detective, which is a, someone stayed in this room, which is a great show. Come on, boys. We're going in. You get the black light on. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Everything's calm. It's a, oh, it's so much oh, crispy semen. So much crispy semen. It happened again. Every fucking Why, room. What is, what is a Marriott detective? Uh, yeah, I don't really have an answer on that one. I, what is your? What are you possibly doing? Because it, it's not. They're not saying security guard. They're saying house detective. So he must have. So what? He shows up to solve like if someone took hangers. Marriott crimes. That I, doesn't make any sense. So after uh, after he, I guess gets fired or <laughs> finds a job, in 1990 he's hired as a jailer in the Habersham County Sheriff's Office. So he's moving. So he just loves authority. He's getting closer. Personally, I would have stopped at Marriott House Detective. Like right there, number one, I'm a detective. Number two, yeah. I get a place to stay. Easy crimes. Yep. Room crimes. 
He also, at the same time, is doing part-time work at a DeKalb County apartment building. So he's hitting all the legal, the mainstays. Yeah, he's like doing everything adjacent to being a cop, He's full-on cop adjacent. Right. One night, a couple was making too much noise in the hot tub, and he confronted them, and it led to a physical confrontation. Richard handcuffed the guy and arrested him for drunk in public. Which is not okay. a great. Which is not great. Is he allowed to do that? Well, it's an apartment building, so I don't think so. I think he's just a. So what? It's just like its own country to him. Well, he he felt like he really was in charge of the right. the apartment building. Sure. Um, so that didn't go over well with the local police, and Richard ends up getting arrested for impersonating an officer. Uh, uh, I, I only my only wish is that it happened at the scene. Like, while well, I was like, you have the right to remain silent, you have the right to an attorney, and someone cuffs him, and it's just like, actually, you have the right to remain silent, you have the right to an attorney, you're not able to do that. So, <laughs> Fraser you're under arrest, too. So, we got a double arresting. Can I still keep him arrested, though? Yes. Since he's been placed under arrest, you can arrest him. Actually, uh, officer, that you actually did not read the Miranda rights properly, therefore, you are also under arrest. Oh, shit. We have a conga line of arrest today at this apartment complex just outside the city of Atlanta. So uh, he uh, he gets uh, so he he had at the time the reason he gets arrested is because he has on a hat that says uh, Haberson County Sheriff. So he's wearing his. So he's making it look like he is, but he's, he's not impersonating an officer. But he probably just liked the hat. Like okay. Um, but he gets sure. arrested. So he worked uh, He worked for them as a jailer. So he's like, well, it's my other job hat, whatever. So over 70 sure. people in the apartment complex sign a petition in support of Richard. So people like him. He sure. ends up pleading guilty to a misdemeanor and had to seek psychological counseling. Right. Because he's a hot tub cop. That wasn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> if, you're, if you have a hot tub cop, that guy yeah. needs to go to counseling for sure. Yeah. Have you, did you ever see uh, the? Um, you didn't, but they. You remember that show, Celebrity Rehab? Yeah. So there's one season where they had uh, Gary Busey on, and he wouldn't admit that he was a patient. He kept pretending like he worked for the staff <laughs> to help other people, and like and like they had to pull him aside and be like, Gary, you are here for drug addiction too. But he would be going up to people and he'd just be like, Hey, look, we're trying to we're trying to make sure that you understand that we got to get you sober. We have to help you figure out. You have a problem. You know, and you have like cocaine on his nose. And they'd be like, Gary, you're not allowed to do that. And he'd be like, no, no, I, I'm helping. Sean, I'm helping you. I'm trying to help you, Sean. This is how we cancel you here at the rehab for celebrities. That's so amazing. That's what Richard Jules kind of like. That's He's amazing. Like, I'm your inside guy. And they're like, no, you're actually not a cop. That was the thing Dr. Drew hosted, right? Yeah, yeah. Boy, he went off his fucking rocker, huh? I don't agree. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so he um, he still in 1991 was moved up to deputy from the jail, uh, okay. the jail department or whatever. So he graduates in the upper 25 percent of his police academy uh, class and he's finally a cop. OK, uh, he gets go. he gets engaged briefly. That falls apart. Um, he gave another woman a large wooden key with a sign that read, this is the key to unlock your heart. That also didn't work oh. out. Wait, he gave a woman 
a uh, key, wait, what did he a do? big wooden key, yeah. and then it had a sign uh-huh. on it, and the sign that so said, this is the, key. "This is the key to unlock your heart." Hmm. Didn't work out. Um, yeah, it's not great. No, it's not great. He dated a local girl and became very close with her family. Uh, he has a lot of friends in town. When OJ was on trial, Richard would hang out with other deputies and they'd talk about the trial and how the LAPD fucked it all up, if you can imagine. Sure. But things start to come apart on uh, the job. In 1995, he saw a car pulling out from behind a building and thought it looked suspicious. So he takes off after it. And uh, he, he. On foot? No, on, in his car. Oh, damn it. Uh, and he crashes the patrol car. Okay, no problem. But the sheriff doesn't really believe that's what happened. And so Richard gets busted down to guard duty in the county jail. And previously he did not like working at the jail, and so he quits. It's so strange to think of a time where, like, if you crashed your car, like, cops were like, you're not fit for this. (laughs) Dude, I I was in Pittsburgh yesterday, and I was standing in a parking lot. And I was just, like, talking on the phone. And I was just kind of, like, walking around, you know, like, whatever. And, um, and there was a cop, like, in the parking spot across from me. And the cop shouts at me and he goes, uh, Hey, what are you doing? And I go, uh, I'm talking on the phone. And he goes, yeah, well, get, get out of here. He goes, you're not allowed to be in this parking lot. I go, I'm not allowed to be in this parking lot? And he goes, not if you're going to lean on my commander's car. And I was like, what? And I guess I'd like, I'd like leaned on like this truck like for a minute. And I go, why does that mean I can't be in the parking lot? And he goes, because it's disrespectful. And I'm like, oh my God. And I was so, I was so close, but I, I just didn't leave. I just stood there and then he went back into his car. So I was just like, I was like, get a life. Oh, so good. Um, so, uh. So he gets he right. So he gets fired. So that or quits. That's sad. Okay. So he he gets a job at Piedmont College. Uh, it's a liberal arts school. It's got about a thousand students. Sure. College p- police only have jurisdiction on campus, but Richard keeps. <laughs> I like. I love the setup. I love the setup. <laughs> I mean, that's just the given, right? It's like, yeah, you just that's how it works. You're a college cop. That's you have an area. But Richard keeps giving people speeding tickets on the highway. He's like Elvis. <laughs> you have no idea why well, I pulled you over? You're on a golf cart. <clears throat> he also keeps writing up really long, detailed reports for minor incidents and suggesting undercover op- operations on campus. Wow. You know what? I can so go... So he likes, uh, wants like 21 Jump Street, basically. Look, uh, so I can go deep into uh, dorm room uh, 27. Why? And Why? I'm going to... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang out in the closet. Why, I'm going to see okay, what, what, what they're up to, because I hear a lot of noise in there. I hear a lot of yeah, stuff going on. what kind of noise? So I hide... What kind of noise? I hide deep in... Richard. I see... Richard. What? Richard. Yeah. What kind of noise? What is the investigation? Pro- probably drugs. If there's noise, there's drugs. I don't know if that's the case. And again, a lot of times when you sort of pitch yourself in these kind of cases, it, it seems like you want to watch some of the, the college students fornicate. Hold on, hold on, just hold not... on. We got to speed around on the highway. I'll talk to you later, yeah, sir. Not, you're not allowed to go there. No, Richard. Woo. Did you like my... Did you it's like... pretty good. Yeah. It's very jewelish. Yeah, I can yeah, see it happening. Yeah. Uh, so 
He also, what are you chewing on? Damn it. Can't get away with anything with No, you. it's very loud. <laughs> I feel like I'm under a microscope. I feel like Richard Jewell's watching me. Um, so he worked on a volunteer rescue squad and was named Citizen of the Year also. Okay, so that's pretty good. Yeah, he got something. I, I mean, there's some there's some signs here. So Piedmont, sure. Piedmont has a no drinking rule, and Richard would tell the kids, quote, I know y'all are going to drink. Don't do it on campus. And then he starts raiding dorm rooms. Not okay, right? And, and busting them. <laughs> no, you Not should okay. never. If you're, you can't raid. There should never be a raid in a college raid, yeah. campus yeah. drinking. You can't raid. Yeah. Everybody on the floor. Um, well, by the way, if he, if he wanted them to drink off campus, he's also trying to bust people off campus. Yeah. Oh. So it's kind of just like, well, dude, <laughs> you're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so this makes him a lot of enemies, and uh, the kids start a rumor that he's gay. <laughs> we got him. We got him. It's a liberal arts college, and they really nailed him. <laughs> so the college president, Ray Clear, heard so many complaints that he asks Richard to resign, and so Richard does. Now, okay. the Olympics are coming to Atlanta. So Richard moves in with Bobby and gets a job working security at the Centennial Olympic Park at the AT&T Pavilion. Now, Dave, as far as the Olympics go, you always you're a big fan, right? Love the Olympics. They're so great the way they bankrupt every city and bring in an authoritarian (laughs) draconian cop. Why? Why? Why do we why do we do them? Is is it just because it is? I know we kind of covered this already, but is it? Purely because it is a scheme for these people to make money. Yeah, it's is, is it? It really uh, the, is. The Olympics are one hundred percent a grift by a certain group of people. Number one, it's the people. The Olympic committee running it. They're yeah, they're making money, right. and then also it's like the World Cup, but it's yeah. Also, okay. the town in which it's coming, like Los Angeles, there's a bunch of grifters yeah. taking money off the top. Yes. So it's just a giant right. grift. Uh, and do you our, think the Olympics will be happening here? You think that'll go through? They're not going to. They're just absolutely not going to stop them, and uh, yeah, right. it's going to totally fuck over Los Angeles. Anyway, great. Okay. yeah. Uh, so he, like I said, moves in with Bobby. He's he's uh, doing security at the Centennial Olympic Park, which uh, does music shows. Uh, sure. So anyone can go into the Olympic Park without a ticket. It's designed to be like a big hangout place. On Friday, July 26th, Richard arrives at the pavilion at 5.30 to start his 12-hour shift. By the way, uh, the Olympics, uh, horrible labor, like the way they treat workers. It's just like, you're getting the privilege of being part of the Olympics, and then they don't pay him. Now, here's the problem with the 12-hour shift. Richard has diarrhea. And he's, he's he's pretty sure it was from a bad burger. So his stomach cramps are getting worse. Can you imagine, like, you being involved in a, in a, a moment in time so important that people know you had burger <laughs> diarrhea? Look, sir, uh, sir, I need a break. I have what I would call Olympic diarrhea. Like, oh, I'm, I have, I'm gonna, I have sir, I have, metal. <laughs> I have meddling bowels right now. At 10 p.m., he takes a break, and he goes to the bathroom. And when he comes back, sure. he sees a group of drunk kids near this bench. Uh-oh. And he tells them to leave, 
And as they do, he sees a large olive green military style backpack under the bench. So he, he, he reports it. Then he and an officer clear a 25 foot square area on the backpack and two GBI agents looked at the backpack and they see that it's a bomb, a big bomb. Like, not, like what? But the main, not like the kind Richard had been dropping no, in the stall. No, I'm sure Richard was like, this is a different bomb than what I did. My bomb uh, was probably you. worse. <laughs> At least this one has a clock on it. Mine just is whenever it wants. I mean, yeah, it's a clock, but a different kind of clock. The, the clock is like, how long am I going to? Mine doesn't have wires you can cut. So the bomb goes off. Richard, quote, it was hard to describe the sound. It was like what you hear in the movies. It was like kaboom. It smelled like a flash. Yeah, he made the, yeah. It's really making it sound like he, like, went to. (laughs) It smelled like a flashbang grenade. It smelled like the burger I had the day before. All the shrapnel was inside the package, kept flying around. It, like, got under the bowl and the seat, all the shrapnel. And some, peop- some of the people got hit from the bench and some with metal. Okay. 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 Not funny anymore. <clears throat> okay, so the bomb, uh, it's sophisticated, it's lethal. There's a uh-huh. V shape to send the shrapnel in a specific direction. Okay. So it's fairly, very well planned out. Sophisticated. But only one of the three shrapnel canisters blew because someone had moved the backpack a bit. So most of the shrapnel ends up going into the sky. So dodged a bullet. Sure, unless you're birds. Right. If you're birds, you didn't dodge a bullet. You're dead. A a bird, you just fly through the air, and you're like, God, God, there's a lot of holes. The V formation is that they're like, that's exactly how we do it. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so the FBI takes over the investigation. And um, they start looking up suspects, including a guy who was called, quote, the drunk in the bar. That guy. So my dad was involved. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he'd been making. What was your dad's first name again? Mike. Okay. Just I'm 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 doing a separate thing on the side here. So I just wanted to get that right. What do you mean? Huh? Go ahead. Okay. It just seems a little. Um, he had been making drunk threats the night before and uh, quickly sure. word leaks to the FBI as a suspect Lewis Free director of the FBI was personally monitoring everything and there's a lot of pressure to catch the bomber because you know Olympics it's a big deal Right. but when an FBI Atlanta agent tells Free the drunk guy was not the bomber he loses his shit and belittles the agent Okay. Free quote, was, quote, abusive, condescending, and dismissive of the agents in Atlanta. Okay. He's probably losing it because he had been going around FBI headquarters crowing, uh, quote, we have our man. But it was just a drunk guy in a bar. <laughs> man. It, 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 every, like, institution in government works at, in the way that it's, like, your biggest fear. Yeah. There's, that he's just like, well, all right, we could go four day weekend. It's almost like there's a bunch of people and they're all working, and then at some point they go, all right, well, let's give all this stuff to the head idiot, and then yeah. the head idiot does the head idiot thing. Yeah. So Free then handed the case to a former Cold War counterintelligence unit 
named Division 5 that was trained in observation and rarely worked a criminal case. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Right, good. And that's definitely what that's where that's how it should go for sure. Give it to them, the ones who have no clue how to do this. Hey, you guys don't know what to do here, right? Absolutely not, sir. You're in, boys. I need someone who thinks outside the box. It's either the drunk or Gorbachev. I knew it. I knew it. I said we have yeah. our guy. Now we have our guys. Yeah. yeah. They also used intimidation and manipulation instead of gathering evidence. Sure. Good. Good, good, good. So Watson Bryant comes home uh, to a message from Richard. He said someone told him he might get a book deal. And Watson, as a lawyer, is now doing real estate closings, but he does pro bono stuff for friends. And he calls Richard and said, a book contract sounds pretty far-fetched, but, you know, don't sign anything without seeing him first. Far-fetched because essentially he just saw a backpack under a bench. So that's not generally a book. I mean, that's a great page. I call it the backpack under the bench. Okay, uh, so what's the... The Richard Jewell story. So what's the arc in the... uh well, our main character, let's call him Ricky Jewell. Um, okay. We start on him. Uh, he goes to uh, he goes to a Whataburger, and he gets a burger. Uh-huh. And when he's sitting in his car and it's parked and he's thinking about eating it, he smells it, and it it, it kind of smells off. It smells old. It has a sour sort of smell to it, but he's paid. He's paid the the a dollar seventy five. Sure. So he takes a bite and it is sour, but he's he's got to get to work because he has I'm a twelve sorry, hour I'm, shift. I'm just gonna. So he he eats the rest of it. Hold are, on. Are we gonna move on? He eats the rest of okay, it. Okay, so this is a yeah, lot about a on. burger. I just he eats the okay. rest. He eats, yeah, he eats the rest of it. Chapter two. What he's <laughs> laughing about? No, not I just I'm enjoying the. Uh, I'm just thinking of all the books we're gonna sell. Oh, because I just went and ate a sandwich. Oh boy. How'd it smell? It got stink to it? I don't it? want to talk about it. All right. Uh, so CNN really, really wants an interview with Richard. They made, sure. quote, 20 or 30 calls and a lot of shoe leather to finally get him through AT&T. The AT&T publicity department, I love that, I love that because there's the Olympics and then yes. there's a theater kind of place, right, where they're doing shows. And AT&T sponsors it. So a security guard sees a bomb that goes off, and now he has to deal through AT&T because they bought... Like, it's so stupid. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. Like, what is AT&T doing here? Buddy, come on. They're they're, they're the company. Don't you get it? (laughs) Everything runs through the companies. So AT&T... The publicity department sees an opportunity to get their brand out there using Richard. They tell Richard to wear a security shirt with the AT&T logo on it. This is so stupid. <laughs> this is just like, this. It, it is just like, when, I, when, when I'm like, cause I'm driving everywhere right now. When you go to a, a gas pump and they're advertising at the gas, you're like, yeah. how did we get here? Yeah, it's it's shit like this. Yeah. It's shit like this where it's like, ooh, AT&T, wear an AT&T shirt. So he's nervous. Richard's nervous. Uh, he doesn't think he's a hero. He just thinks he was doing his job. 
And from the beginning... I'm just a guy who is sharting. <laughs> from the beginning, the public sees Richard as like a hapless dummy, like a Forrest Gump type of guy. Um, he speaks slow. He has a southern accent. He's super, super accommodating, but he's also hard to, like, read. And the president of Piedmont College, Ray Clear, sees him on CNN and calls the FBI hotline. And he's like, look, this guy loves the spotlight. He loves attention. And he said Richard's erratic and almost too excitable, which is what I get a lot. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Everyone thinks that about you. Um, it's so strange. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. it's a very, it's a very strange call. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a personal grudge call, isn't it? Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. On Monday, a friend of Richard's, who was a GBI agent, called and asked about the bombing, and Richard invites him over for dinner. And they talk about the bombing, and his friend, it turns out, is wearing a wire. Mm. And Richard talked about being on the Today Show uh, the next morning, and Bobby asked him, uh, sorry, he talked about being on the Today Show the coming morning. He's going to be on there the next morning. And Bobby asked him to get Tom Brokaw's autograph, because Bobby loves Tom Brokaw. Like, who, who doesn't? You know what I mean? It's Tom Brokaw. Yeah. Like, you want that autograph. Oh, that's right, Richard. It's time for you to understand. Who should I make this out to? Who should I make this out to? Bobby. Dear Bobby. To Bobby. What happened to Tom? You're saying you'd like this made out to Bobby? What happened to Tom Brokaw? I'm sorry. Just, I want to make sure that I get the name right. You did. You did, but I, did you? Did Tom Brokaw have a... Here, here, here's Bobby. <laughs> is there a stroke or something that he had? There's <laughs> been a bad... I've been through hell and back. <laughs> My... Dear, dearest Bobby. I've been what? through absolute hell and back. Do you know Tom it has Brokaw? Been a long, it has been a long road. <laughs> but here I am, all the... All of a sudden, I'm so I'm on the precipice of a ridiculous comeback. There will be a lot of things, and I hope to see you soon. Sincerely, Tom Brokaw. So, uh, after today's show, Richard gets back home to his mom's apartment, and there's just a bunch of reporters outside. And one asks, okay. quote, Do you think you're a suspect? And Richard laughs. As the day keeps going, more and more reporters are showing up and hanging out. And his boss calls and said the news is saying Richard is a suspect and he shouldn't come to work. What, what is it coming from? Why? why? That guy called the FBI. Uh-huh. The FBI always picks the wrong suspect. <laughs> like, that's almost their job. Okay. That feels like the more winning winner of the two. And okay. so, and you know, the head guy but wants, then it, wants someone picked. Wouldn't, even, if, even if you're the FBI, though, you wouldn't want the press to know that, right? You but wouldn't want your main suspect to know he's a suspect. It's too big of a... It's too big of a... Right. Yeah, everybody wants this story. We're actually, actually all of us are reporting on it. Uh... So two FBI agents knock on the door. Quote, they told me they wanted me to come with them to headquarters to help them make a training film to be used at Quantico. Richard didn't uh, question it. It just sounded, yep, uh, they're all law enforcement, right? All of them. And right. um, 
as they drive uh, there, four cars are following, which is a common FBI intimidation tactic, a bunch of cars. So he's interviewed on camera for the so-called training video. And after an hour, an agent uh, gives Richard a waiver of his rights to sign. And Richard knows that means he's a suspect. So he calls Watson. Um, but Watson is at Centennial Park waiting for Richard to come on duty. And then he sees the headline in the Atlantic Journal-Constitution that said FBI suspects hero guard may have planted bomb. And all of a sudden, Richard's face shows up on a giant billboard at the uh, Olympic Park. So as as like the breaking news that he's yeah, this is this is the guy. So Watson calls the FBI and yelled at Richard, quote, you idiot, you are a suspect. Get your ass out of there now. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, Listen, I've got some stand up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army. To join me for, I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it let's see you there hey there people listening to the dollop uh this is gareth yes the same guy i listen i have a new podcast called we're here to help that i'm doing with my friend jake johnson it's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't but we try to help people with problems that are important to them you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts and it is out right now so go listen to we're here to help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Which is how I handle things. You've, you've said that to me. Uh, yeah, totally. This is, yeah. This is my usual saying. Like, yeah. that's one of my catchphrases. Yeah. It's a catchphrase. Yeah. yeah. You idiot, get out of there now. They think you're a suspect. So the the, the <laughs> journal, uh, it, the journal's become like a joke in the newspaper business. It uh, featured what the managing editor called chunklets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Newspaper. newspaper yeah. Shark stories. Newspaper business. Sure. Talk chunklets. Um, short bits of soft news. Yeah. You're listening to short bits of soft news. Um, it's so dumb. Every, uh, I mean, it's only worse, but everything is so dumb. Uh, so dumb. Chunklets. Yeah. Uh, used no unsourced news sources, which led to like declarative sentences, which are known in the business as the voice of God. So with no references to source, the paper seems like it was making all-knowing statements. Uh-huh. Right? So it's not saying like, yeah. and then so-and-so said. It's saying... 
It's just declarative. Right. So hearsay. And now with the bombing, the journal wants to get in front of the story. Right. It's their hometown. They're the paper. And uh, a police reporter gets a tip from a cop friend about Richard. But because of the voice of God's style, the journal, the journal makes a flat out statement. Richard Jewell fits the profile of the lone bomber. The next paragraph. This profile generally includes a frustrated white man who is a former police officer, member of the military or police wannabe who seeks to become a hero. So that doesn't come out as like a th- this guy's opinion. That comes out as right total fact. Not an op-ed. It's like an actual yes. It's ridiculous. Yes. Uh, so so across the country, one of the two men who had developed the crime personality profiling that was used by the FBI is watching CNN, and he said, "quote." They were talking about an FBI profile of a hero bomber, and I thought, what FBI profile? There's no such classification as the hero bomber. It occurred to me that there was no database of any bomber who lived with his mother, was a security guard, and unmarried. None of it made sense to him. They hadn't, they hadn't even had enough time to come up with a profile. So they're making it up. So a guy mm-hmm. said this to a police guy, whoever it is, said this to a reporter, the reporter writes it up as fact in the journal, then they start saying it on all the news channels, but it's not based on anything. They're, they've, they've, some guy just said something, and now they're acting like it's an FBI mm-hmm. profile, but it's not. Yep. Also, the claim that Richard had no friends was completely wrong. He had a ton of friends. It's also so stupid. It's so, it's so outside of... It's so scandalous. Yes. Versus like, you know, an attempt at like trying to actually do journalism. Yes. Um, A a journal intern published another story with a false headline. Quote, bomb suspect had sought limelight press interviews, which he had not at all. CNN had chased him down. AT&T had uh, wanted it to happen. AT&T. I actually... I had actually signed an autograph to his mother. Who are you? This is me. Tom Brokaw. <laughs> okay, because it seems... And I wrote it, and I had it, Richard, Richard wanted an autograph to his mother, Bobby. Are you Tom Brokaw? Are you Tom Brokaw with, like, a bunch of, like, potatoes in your mouth? It is, uh, it's hard. I have... I've had a lot of trouble lately. Breathing? I was... Yes, talking and breathing, but I still am able to sign an autograph to Bobby Jewell. Right. But you are Tom Brokaw. You're not. You're not some. Yeah, you're not yeah. some weird East Coast yeah, guy yeah. that lives near a lake. Yeah. No, you're Tom yeah, Brokaw. Yeah. Okay. I'm Tom Brokaw. Because it sounds yeah, like you might a, be up in. News. It might. It sounds like you might be up in Maine, and you just don't see a lot of people, no. and you walk around a lake. No. No, no I'm absolutely, absolutely not anywhere near a body of water. Okay. Yeah, this uh, is so AT&T had also uh, called the journal and so all this is easy to verify, but that wasn't done. Right. At home, Richard uh, is watching NBC with his mom and Tom Brokaw said, quote, they probably have enough to arrest him right now, probably enough to prosecute him. But you always want to have enough to convict him as well. There are still holes in this case. I mean, it's like the second part is the part. Instead, <laughs> it's so bad. It's terrible. 
It's so bad. I regret what I've done. Bobby's mom starts crying. More reporters come. The next, Richard's mom. The next, Bobby starts crying. The next morning, every paper in the country, except the New York Times, uh, runs with the security guard bomber story. You know things are bad when the New York Times is your, like, straight man. Yeah, they're right there. They're, when yes. the New York Times is like, look, we actually think there's not enough to print. <laughs> Um, it's the Olympics, so there are 10,000 reporters in Atlanta. So this is the story. Forty FBI agents uh, come to the apartment, and uh, they have a search warrant. Quote, they had all my pictures, all the stuff that was in the drawers, my personal things. How would you like to know that 12 different guys had been in your underwear, laid it out on the floor, probably walked on it, and then folded it back up like nothing happened and put it in your drawer? Uh, okay, just straight up that's my confession. Fetish. Yeah, that's that is, that's, that's, that, that's that's I'm actually super into that. That's Gareth Kink. Like that's I love when people he, do stomping on my underwear and then they put it away. Yeah. That to me is like that's hot. Sometimes just to get him going for a podcast, I'll go over to his house and I'll mm. walk on his underwear mm. and then mm. we get going. Mm. Mm. Can you stop making that noise? Sometimes I'll put I'll, sometimes I'll put a big stack of them and I'll just kind of live in them and I call it a boxer fort. Richard, Richard was still a cop. He had read Georgia Law Code for fun in his spare time. I'm going to say that sentence again. He read Georgia mm-hmm. Law Code for fun in his spare time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's cool. Now I want him to go to jail just for that. <laughs> that is actually... Went to jail for being a weird little pussy. <laughs> Quote... When they were searching my apartment, I was like, take everything. Take the carpet. I am law enforcement. I am just like you. Guys, take whatever you're oh, going to take. God. Because this is going no, to prove like, that I didn't listen, do anything. Listen, he, we want the innocent man to remain free. But Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like you're, they're building a case where I'm like, fine, whatever. Do whatever. <laughs> um, he said a couple of them were looking at me like I was crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Watson... Uh, goes on CNN for an interview and um, the president of CNN asks him what he thinks of their coverage and Watson's furious and he says, quote, who the hell are you and the rest of the media to make fun of how Richard Jewell and his mother live? Who are you to make fun of working people who live in a $470 a month apartment? Is there something wrong with that? Who are you to say that he is a weirdo because he lives with his mother? So the, it's amazing how long CNN has been malpracticing journalism <laughs> and has just been allowed to live in that lane comfortably the entire time. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, because you know, there's only a couple at, at no games in town. No point have they done. Yeah, I mean, like Wolf Blitzer has been oh. on air for so many travesties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the Situation Room is just unbelievable. Oh, it's just a, a nightmare. Um, so the media is just going nuts trying to find out anything they can about Richard. In the town he was born, Danville, uh, they pour over... Tonight, we interview some of Richard's diarrhea. (laughs) They pour over records. They find nothing there. Uh, The local paper headline was, quote, Suspects linked to Danville, still a mystery. Reporters uh, mused, quote, Did Richard Jewell ever sleep here? The mayor held a press conference and reporters asked him whether the city could live down the infamy if Richard were charged for the bombing. And the mayor said, quote, 
if the man left Danville at age six, we could not be accused of having nurtured him. Hmm. I don't think so, Danville. You're part of this. You're a terrorist really? nest. You know you're, like, doing well when, like, a city's like, he's not our fault. Yeah, he's not our guy. He left here when he was a baby. A city renounces you, yeah. <laughs> the journal prints a story with the headline, A Bad Man to Cross on His Beat. And it's about his time at Piedmont College. I was going to say. And it's all students talking shit. And Bobby and Richard uh, are just holed up in the apartment. A neighbor brought them a honey-baked ham, and they lived on ham omelets for a few days. I just want to put out there, mm. there's other stuff you can do with ham. Name one, please. A sandwich. With an omelet? When you, you, mean, you mean omelet bread? No. Okay, yeah. yes. Okay. Uh, just ham, and, yeah. ham and bread, like cheese or something. Tonight we interview the ham. Oh, my God. I got to go. <laughs> um, Richard is just watching CNN or he's watching movies. Outside, there's 200 media people. Okay. Um, they have a guy up on a hill with binoculars watching the apartment. And Richard sees that they have a high-intensity zoom lens with a sound dish. And he thought that they could hear everything he's saying. So they start writing stuff down if they didn't want anyone to know. FBI agents are sitting near the uh, swimming pool in the complex. And one time he goes out and he tells the agent, quote, I am wearing a bright shirt so y'all can see me easier. So he's he's still a cop. (laughs) Well, what he's trying to do is, look, whether or not this guy sucks, it what he's trying to do is he's trying to show that he has done nothing by being like as open as he possibly can. And even though he sucks, it's still totally wrong and not okay to put a guy under a microscope when you really don't know anything yet. Right. So he's, so that, so that, so what, so he's trying, he's trying to just basically be like, guys, look, it's all good. I'm fine. But it's like, yes, he's a kiss ass, but it's also like, well, he's like thinks that he's gonna be put as the he's the main suspect in an Olympic bombing. Yeah, it's very complicated for me because he's he's a dick cop, right? He's a fucking dick. Yes. Like the shit he does. Yes. He's not. He's not. He doesn't sound like the kind of guy, although he could be, that would shoot someone. He he sounds like he just loves to uh, be like the stern guy. Fucking well, no alcohol. Like I don't know how far he goes to, with to, the other stuff. But to he's... be fair, though, to be fair, though, the shooting has become so much more. Uh, yeah, in vogue absolutely. And the, since then, he so doesn't. He, he very. He, I guess. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I'm saying he doesn't strike me as the overtly violent type as much as the type who likes to be in sure. charge of the room. But he's the uh, guy who like helps you cover up the shooting, not do it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and that's a nice guy. And that would be who he would be. Yeah. Um, so, so, but I also feel bad for him because he's clearly just being railroaded here. So it's a complicated. It's it's a, yeah. So, so he's trying to help him at the same time. So the phone is just ringing constantly. Someone um, ha- had found his phone number and posted it on online. So everybody's calling. They're getting a hundred calls a day. When the jerky boys, 
Howard Stern. Hello. Uh, yes. My my name. Uh, yes. My name is. I'm actually the Olympic bomb. Hi. I was hoping hi. to talk to my best friend Richard Jewell. Hi, bomb. This is Richard. Hi. How are you? Hi. <laughs> Yes, I'm going to bring all my shoes and my glasses, and okay. I'm going to put them in a backpack down near the park. Can you tell the police who put you there? Yeah, oh, my God. I'm recording this. Bubba Booey, Bubba Booey. What the fuck? I really thought it was the bomb. Uh. Um, so, the if they walk out of the apartment, it's just, you know... Cameraman yelling obscenities to get them to look over. Richard said they would yell, quote, you should both die. Uh, so they, they just want to get a picture of them upset. So th that's what our media does. Mm -hmm. They're yelling stuff to get yeah. them mad. So the FBI comes down to take palm prints and a voice sample and hair samples. Uh, and Watson is furious at this. And he yells, quote, I am his lawyer. You know you can have this. I know you have a search warrant. But I'll tell you this. If you were doing this to me, you would have a fight. You would have to fight me. You would have to beat the shit out of me. Okay, well, they'd be happy to do that. <laughs> if you met yeah, cops, like, but all right. we'd actually rather that. That's, if that's, that's cool. kind of our thing. I might. That apo sounds awesome. Apologies if I orgasm. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> so the FBI comes. Um, so they, they ask him to take a recording, saying, "Quote: There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have thirty minutes." So Watson tells them to get out. He thought they could use it to false, falsify evidence. So the FBI leaks to the journal that Richard had parts of a fence that had been blown up in the explosion. Mm, so I'm he not... took he took a souvenir. Sure. Which I again, it's it's a little strange, but it's not like he had pieces of the fence before the bombing. Yeah, no, it, and it's not. It doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. A reporter questions Watson and then misquotes him and said he confirmed Richard had, Richard had a sample of the blown-up bomb. So I just want to point out right now, the media doesn't look great so far. No, <laughs> the story, no, I don't know if no. you can tell. Uh, the reporter would later apologize, but obviously too late. That story goes nationwide. So now everyone thinks he has a sample of the bomb. Uh, when asked about it the next day, Watson said, quote, oh, man, it's not a bomb part. It's a piece of the damn fence so yeah. uh, it had been given to Richard by other guards as a gift for doing a good job well strange still but well, st again it's like it's it's so what well <laughs> let me ask you a question your buddy okay. your buddy spotted a bomb it blows up some people uh -huh. got hurt uh -huh. what do you get for him as uh -huh. a gift what's your what's your gift oh you know, pieces of the people or the fence. Yeah, right. Pieces of the people. What if you can't get pieces of the people because they're working on them? Just some of the debris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fence. Sign it like a get well soon card. Put a ribbon yeah, on fence. it. Fence. Yeah. 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 Put a little ribbon on it. Put it. Maybe put it in a, like a top of a like an ice cream cake or something. Yep. Uh, so Watson realizes that he's in way over his head. He doesn't have legal staff. He doesn't have any contacts in the press. He has no history in in D.C. So he calls, uh, he calls the best criminal lawyer in the state who comes on board and has Richard take a lie detector test. And he passes everything with the highest possible score. At this point, the criminal lawyer believes there was clearly no evidence against Richard. And there isn't. 
Um, The local federal prosecutor was actually disturbed by how little evidence there was. And he was the one who wanted Richard to take the polygraph. <laughs> if, the, listen, pro, uh-huh. if the federal prosecutor's like, hey, guys, this doesn't yeah. look good. Uh, you actually have, do you guys know what nothing is? This is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he asked him to take the polygraph, and, and Watson had said no. And the prosecutor assures Watson the conversation would not make its way to the press. But FBI Director Free comes to town. Uh, the press immediately reports Richard had refused to take the polygraph. So this is why the, uh, Watson has to step aside, because this is clearly free, right? This is the head fucking FBI guy who's fucking all this shit up. It's like policy to leak on this story. Yeah. So on top of everything else, two of the bombing victims sue Richard. So he has to hire two more lawyers this to is, deal with that. It's happening so fast. Yeah, it's happening really fast. Uh, Richard uh, is getting annoyed that the press keeps describing him as as overzealous. That's, that's what his issue is. But that's what he is. Like that's actually completely that. The but one thing, like, the one bro, thing that makes him mad is the one thing that's true. Yeah, is the yeah. <laughs> that is. It's also. It it just shows you. It really is like. It's he's such an anti-hero because there's just like he's totally getting fucked over and you, I hate the media in this story but then he is also just so unable to sit in the position of like I, I it's very hard he's a very unsympathetic yes. character in his own right yeah uh, so he, he considered, I mean, he's like the main suspect in an Olympic bombing. And he's like, you think I'm a little weird? <laughs> How dare you? Well, he considered himself very detail oriented so much so that when he watched movies, he would pause the VCR to study props in the scene. <laughs> well, that's like, don't say that to anyone uh, ever. By the way, I just found he the worst. Props? I just found the worst guy to watch movies with in the history of oh movies. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, wait, pa- 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 we pause it again. Pause it again. Can you pause it again, yes, please? Yes. What? Yes. What? Uh, uh, hold on. I just want to. Uh, uh, hold on. I want to okay. count Richard. how many different vases there are in the background. Oh my god, Richard! I don't even hold know on, what's happening on. in the movie anymore. Uh, yeah, hold on. Seven pictures, and look at the way they're kind of tilted. Oh, and I fuck. feel like that light there, that light, do you see that light that's reflecting off the side of that frame there? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's not an interior light. I feel like that's one of the grip lights. Isn't that interesting? Okay, no. and then there's six magazines on the table, seven picture frames, and three vases. It's not okay, interesting. press play. Press play. Okay. Pause. <laughs> so. An eighth frame. <laughs> So he hated uh, what everyone's saying about him. He reads description of himself as like a man child, a mama's boy, a wannabe cop. The New York Post had called him a, quote, village Rambo and a fat jailed former sheriff's deputy. Jay Leno, quote, had. Hey, let me tell you, you guys hear about this Richard Jewell character? He said he had a scary resemblance to the guy who whacked Nancy Kerrigan and asked. What is it about the Olympic Games that brings out big, stupid, fat guys? I just want to point out that that's a joke. Mm-hmm. That's someone's... That's... Yeah, Jay Leno's jokes age real good. <sighs> yeah, like Jay Leno. Real good. Yeah. 
God damn. It's so fucked up. It, 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 I like, I think maybe like, you know, we make fun of people a shitload on this podcast, but it's like, we know what happened. The, the way that like everyone's jumping down the throat of this story so immediately. Yeah. And you can just picture that audience like pissing their pants laughing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what, what do you think about the Olympics that brings out these big uh, dumb fat guys? <laughs> Get it? Because it's the Olympics. It's, uh... Get it? Because it's a, it's a, it's a physical uh, impediment. The j- Meanwhile, I'm making fun of his voice. Right. Yeah, there you go. Well done. The Journal Star uh, uh, columnist compared Richard to Atlanta's serial killer Wayne Williams because he also lived with his mom. So the FBI then took their factless theories to a new level. Someone called in a warning about the bomb at 12.58 a.m. And Richard was seen by many people next to the bomb at 12.57 a.m. So there was no way he could have walked to the phones four minutes away. Wait, what? What does that mean? Someone called in the bomb a minute after Richard was seen next to it, and they said it's a four-minute walk. So you can see there's a three-minute discrepancy. So the FBI is now going the theory that Richard was a cop-hating homosexual and had helped by and had been helped by his man lover. Okay, so because the call happened so soon after. So they thought there had to be someone else involved, and it, he could only be having gay sex with him. Do you not understand the law? Oh, my God. It is so dumb. I, lo- I love that Ugh. they got to this point, and someone at the FBI was like, what if he was gay? And everyone's like, holy shit. So, I don't know how we how – do you, how, do you, how do you uphold the media and these institutions? I don't know. After the level of catastrophic, catastrophic fuck-uppery – that has gone on my entire uh, lifetime. Whole life. Whole life. Leading to wars, leading to just wars. endless death and shit. Just ca- and Trump. Then we still, Trump we is st- the result still, of media. Like, it's all media. And then, and, then you still, and then you still have the media interviewing the FBI. Well, the best is now on CNN. They have ex-FBI as paid analysts, which is <laughs> yes. like, we don't even need the media to ask the FBI anymore. They're right there to tell you. Uh, we got to get some paid idiots in here. Liars. Worse. So the FBI thought Richard planted the bomb and then his lover called 911 with the warning. What is, is this serious? They seriously thought that? Do you know Why? Because of the rumors the students had started at Piedmont. That he was gay. <laughs> I, now, let me just say, I never saw the uh, Clint Eastwood movie. But this is a Coen Brothers movie. It's, it's a shame it was handled by someone like Clint Eastwood, because this is actually a dark comedy that we're reading. You it's, know it's a funny. Heathers-type film. It's... You know what's funny is that my buddy is the guy who plays Richard Jewell. And yeah, he's great. And he's also the guy who played um, Galuki in the uh, Tanya Harding movie. Yeah. So Jay Leno's joke, it is like they did oh, get yeah, the same guy. Oh, yeah, they got the guy. same guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's how he got hired because someone remembered that. And we're Maybe. Like, they he, don't he, is amazing. he is amazing. <clears throat> yeah, he's great. He's a great actor. Um, so... 
That that's the going thing. Uh, in mid-August, three FBI agents questioned a video store employee who was a senior at Piedmont and friends with Richard. Quote, they asked me if I was a homosexual. They asked me if I had accessed the Internet. The grilling went on for an hour and a half, and after being hounded for a while, he agreed to take a polygraph test, which he passed, and he was cleared. Wow. Are you gay? Are you gay? The number of times, and it's, it's amazing, because this is, you know, uh, 90, what is it, 95? Um, 96, yeah. This is 96, and it's still where it was in the 80s. It's still, yeah. are you gay? Yeah. Uh, and if you're gay, it, you must be bad, right? And it will probably get back to that at some point. Uh, <laughs> shit, I mean, if it ever stopped. I mean, you yeah, know, cop, right. <clears throat> cops are cops. Um, not that if you're listening, you're a cop, you're great. It's the other ones. Yeah. Um, the kind we like. So meanwhile, Richard is a total wreck. He starts to get paranoid. Uh, if he watched a show. Why? Oh, yeah, I don't know why either. If he watched a show and a character is talking about blowing something up, he'd get worried the FBI was listening and it would make him look guilty. So he just starts watching soap operas, uh, soap operas and put out, uh, put on workout videos. Uh, he can't. This might be the worst part of the story that he has to sit <laughs> home and just watch soap operas. He's just watching Jazzercise. Oh my God. Um, well, he- he's eating ham omelets. <laughs> Just watching people work out. <laughs> he can't sleep, partly because of what's going on, but also because there's so many reporters outside with lights and sounds. And uh-huh. the building manager is now threatening to kick them out of the building. The manager's son keeps taking pictures of Bobby and Richard to sell. One day, uh, Watson's brother searches Richard's name online and finds. 10,000 stories. This is three weeks in. Fuck. Most journalists are super accusatory and uh, they write like his guilt is already predetermined with there's no, almost no exceptions to that. It's just pretty much all journalists. Richard Mm -hmm. drives up to the Habersham County, uh, drives up to Habersham County to visit his ex-girlfriend's family for a break and three FBI agents follow. Cars. Sorry, not agents. Cars. When he drives into town, he sees white ribbons everywhere. The town had put them up to support him. And when he drives back, he drives back with his buddy Dave. Dave was an ex-truck driver. He has long hair and a panther tattoo on his forearm. Well, I don't know what else you're going to do. Like, if I'm Dave and I live in Georgia, that's what I'm doing. Dave's are cool. You got to panther it up. That's like, you know. Yes. Yep. It's yes. On the ride back there, uh, there are no FBI cars. And then Richard realizes that's because he's being followed by a plane. I was going to say chopper. (laughs) Oh, my God. How did he realize he was being followed by a plane? He just figured it out. Jesus. Wow. And he, pretty... he loses it. Like, he can't fucking take it. He totally snaps. Trying to ditch a plane. This it's actually really, it's hard. A week later, Dave, I don't know if you remember Dave, but he has long hair and a panther tattoo. Yeah, panther tattoo. tattoo. Yeah. Cool guy. Coolest Dave I've heard in a while. Yeah. Um, he's driving with his fiance to Tennessee when the car is surrounded by FBI agents. And they take Dave and they grill him for hours. They think Dave is Richard's lover. 
Oh my God, I, I, it's crazy. So Dave decides to come clean. He told them when he was younger, he and one of his friends set off pipe bombs. Quote, I told them we'd like to throw pipe bombs down gopher holes when we lived out in West Virginia, which is just Saturday. That's just a Saturday. Yeah, that's every West Virginia kid. Watson talks to Dave, on the, Watson talks to Dave on the phone, and he asks what happened. Quote, I hung up, and I was thinking, I cannot believe that I even know anyone who throws pipe bombs into gopher holes. <laughs> yeah, but that has for the... I'm guessing the FBI is like... This is a link. 100%. Dave Dave taught him how to make pipe bombs. Cuz he was doing from his crazy gopher training. At this at this age, I'm going to say most of us were blowing shit up when we were young. Oh my god. Dave, In the, I my cannot explain to family people. Family was genuinely worried. Yeah, no, I had M80s going off all the I, I was had blowing shit up yes. constantly. Yes. We were shooting Roman candles at each other. Dude, we would shoot Roman candles at each other constantly. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so he, so Watson also knows this is just going to drag out the investigation longer. So, I mean, him knowing the level of stupidity, or not even, I guess, whatever, active ridiculousness of the FBI when he's like to Dave, like, so what'd you tell him? And he's like, I mean, I told him this, and I told, then, um, you know, I told him I used to make pipe bombs as a kid. Watson must have been like, God, jeez, oh, are you fucking kidding it's me? It's so irrelevant, but no. So irrelevant. But no. Um, and then, and then, you know, at this point, the FBI is going and talking to the kid who, the guy who was like, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. Like, it's, you know, the whole thing. I'm sure. Did you suck Richard Jewell's dick? What? I don't even know who that is. And yes. All right. All right. Um... So, <laughs> I just can't. So, yeah. <clears throat> the lawyers then decide Bobby should hold a press conference during the Democratic National Convention, which is about Bobby to happen. should? Yeah. She wants, they want her to make a direct plea to President Clinton to end the nightmare that's going on. So, she does it, and she cries during the press conference, and it works. She's super sympathetic. In tons of any request, interview requests, there's 100 calls a day is coming in. Oprah Winfrey, Sally, Jesse Raphael, TV producers. Flowers are coming. Baskets of Godiva chocolates. The cheese and crackers from network people are sent. What? They all get sent to the lawyer's offices, and then the lawyers give them to a children's hospital. What a dumb... Yep. It, can we not find the middle ground where you just nope. leave them alone? Nope. Instead, you're getting edible arrangements from Sally, Jesse, Raphael. I mean, she cried. So once you cried, they're like, get her on Oprah. Oh, my God. Do you know how valuable someone is who can cry on camera? Very. It's very valuable. Whether that person's yeah. an actor or whether that person is a reality yeah. TV person. Yeah. So uh, Attorney General Janet Reno had seen the press conference, and she was moved and not happy about the FBI tactics. Director Free didn't want to let it go. More than one agent thought Richard had done nothing, and Richard's uh, lawyers agreed to let the FBI interview Richard to clear him. And, okay. and Richard says he'll do it if the FBI would issue a public letter 
clearing him if they're satisfied. So he goes to FBI headquarters on October 6th, and they have a whole list of questions. Um, there are aerial photos of the park. Uh, they, they had an actual park bench in the room. Um, I can't. I just... Uh, it's just so dumb. Like you hear, yeah. It's it's just like it's like I, a set. I like I can't imagine working at the FBI. It's got to be so hard because it's so fucking dumb. There's just so many dumb people, and yeah. But it's like when you're in the dumb club. It's like you're in a frat. I mean, you know, when you're in a frat and you're like making everybody drink beers out of dirty shoes, it becomes normalized. So yeah, when I, it's like everything else. When you're there long enough, you're like yeah. But there's still important. there's still gonna be smart people going. Well, this isn't what I thought. I didn't think there would be so many dumb people here. Yeah, but we've had this conversation before. They don't last that long. No, they don't. They they get out of there. They get out. They yeah. become. They do something else. It's so they because you're and, you're so sitting you're just there. Keeping, you're sitting there, and some guy says, "Hey, we we decided we're going to bring a park bench into the interview," and you're like, "Okay, so I'm quitting because yeah." Well, when pe- it's it's even beyond that. It's when people are going like, I think the park bench actually like when they're Richard jeweling the background, and they're like, I think the park bench actually had an extra rung on the top there. So, can we get that? Where you're just like, honestly, dude, do I need to give two weeks, or how does this work? Can I just like resign right now? Uh, so the park bench, the questions are go could just go on and on. Richard very much wants them to know that he's not gay. It's just so Heather's also. So one FBI yeah, right. agent, <laughs> it's, one FBI agent becomes irritated because Richard couldn't remember times. He didn't know when he went to the bathroom. Richard said he didn't walk around looking at his watch all the time. Quote, when you have the runs, you're not really concerned about what time it is. You are concerned with getting to the bathroom. I like that that sort of shot in the Mission Impossible. Like, that's right, Mr. Hunt. Like, low angle. Like, where the guy's like, what time did you go to the bathroom that time? And he's just like, when you have the runs, you don't keep track of what time you're going. <laughs> no further questions. It's a six-hour interview. As they walk out, the lawyer realizes the FBI has absolutely nothing. Right. Nothing. Because he didn't do it. On October 26th, the Justice Department gave Richard a letter announcing he no longer was a suspect, barring the discovery of new evidence. But they did not put his name on it. So, dear sir, so, maybe, dear sir. Yeah, what? Well, to <laughs> whom it may concern. <laughs> a press conference was called for October 28th by his lawyers. This was the first time Richard would speak since getting the letter stating he was no longer a suspect. Uh, sorry, I have a question. <laughs> oh, no. Who are you? It's Tom Brokaw. And I'm with with the him. potato mouth Brokaw? I'm curious if any further evidence potato. of Richard Gilles because if I have a letter, it simply just has a human concern. What we're honoring is, is definitely that Richard Jewell is not a suspect. In that. Right. Do you have a specific evidence that I'm not a Richard Jewell? I'm not ready on NBC and Hackley News on NBC. Bing bong bong. <laughs> uh, so he read a statement, quote, I hope and pray no one else is ever subjected to the pain and ordeal that I've gone through. The authorities should keep in mind the rights of the citizens. I thank God it is ended and that you know 
what I have known all along. I am an innocent man. As far as correcting their mistakes to the media... Are you gay? Louis Fries, chief of staff, said the FBI has no responsibility, no responsibility to correct information in the public domain. <laughs> why? Why not? Why the fuck don't you? Yeah, what, what are you why talking you about? Not? Why? Yeah, what are you? What are you actually talking Truth, about? Truth, justice, and then murky shit. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? Uh, they didn't offer an apology for their uh, their horrific investigation. Watson said, quote, they don't have the guts to apologize. The next day, the journal printed seven stories dissecting everything about the case, except the part where the journal started the media lynching. Right. Always. The lawyers said they would uh, file damage suits against NBC and the journal and others. And after the press conference, bookers from Good Morning America and the Today Show pressured Richard to do interviews. Watson said no. The Jamie Booker began to cry, quote, I'll lose my job. Why do you want that job? God, it is amazing who like the race to the bottom of the toilet Olympics <laughs> is unbelievable. It you never really know where to get the angriest because it's like those with power infuriate but those that don't do their job to tell you what they're doing are kind of worse the the most abused people i've seen in hollywood and obviously i've seen a lot because we see a lot of you know shows and stuff the most abused people are talk show producers Mm. because they're talking to dr phil's Mm -hmm. and maury's and they're a Mm -hmm. direct line from the Dr. Phil's to the people below them, and they are fucking tortured and abused human beings. I worked with a woman who came back nine days after giving birth. Oh, my God. Oh, must be nice. Because <sighs> she had to get the story Break. done. Uh, Watson asked Richard to talk to a USA reporter. USA Today reporter. Richard said, quote, they can all go suck wind. Bam. Nice. Bam. Then Bobby said, quote, I would like to go home, put on my outfit, and walk in the woods. Richard, we are leaving. She, Gareth, Gareth, Uh she's putting on her woods walking outfit. That's what's going on. Well, it's time time to get normal again. (laughs) (laughs) Man. She just yeah she my she just puts on a uh, just an outfit with bear faces all over it and like, just a yeti <laughs> costume. <laughs> or she dresses up like a squirrel and just walks yeah. around. Uh, when they go home, <clears throat> an ape she just starts putting clown makeup on. <laughs> See y'all later. When they get home, there's an ABC van there, and they got into an argument, and threats were made. Dave took his stun gun off his motorcycle and waved it at the ABC van. Nice. They called Watson, who told them to stay cool. Bobby was crying and yelled, quote, they are going to destroy me. The lawyers decide to cancel a planned trip to New York for TV appearances. The jewels are broken at this point. Yeah. Yeah. 
this should have been the best day for Richard, but it turns out to be the worst. His notoriety had tainted the, the triumph. Everything positive was negative. Quote, I was in despair. So he stays in the apartment with his mom, as he did before he was cleared, watching himself lead the newscasts on all the networks. That night, Jay Leno apologizes for calling Richard an the unidoofus. Jay Leno, you should apologize for your shitty fucking jokes and sense of humor. You don't have to apologize for using names and calling people things. You have to apologizing for the low denominator of humor you inflicted on the American people. Well, he also, I mean, the, like, (laughs) it's amazing to have lived through some of the stuff and you know I mean I was I don't even know how I was very young when um, the Monica Lewinsky thing went on but it was like I mean he was like calling her a whore yeah and like people were laughing and it's just like do you it's so do you I always think about it was like Letterman it Letterman ages so well yeah like obviously he had behavior like there was stuff that like but as far as like what he was drilling in, like he would have O'Reilly on his show and just like laugh at him and call him a clown, and and, and like Leno just, was like happily it's just a, like it's the same thing with uh, Johnny Johnny Carson ages really well. Now he's a monster behind yeah. the scenes, but Jay yeah. Leno does not age. He didn't age at the time. It was bad. No, fucking it was comedy. Bad. I know someone. It was bad. I know someone who's like a comedy development person and worked at NBC and they asked her to go watch The Tonight Show for a month and report back. And she went into the meeting with all the big muckety mucks and they said, tell us. And she said, it's terrible. It's a really, really bad, unfunny television show. And the heads just hung their heads and went, yeah, that's what we thought. Well, you know what a lot of it was, too, is and we you see this in, in stand up a lot. We're like, you know, laughing like if you laugh, it's like goading people to think it's funny. Yeah. It's like why the laugh track was a thing. And there was a lot of that. Like there was a lot of like him laughing with Kevin Eubanks and like, yep. you know, they were laughing and you were laughing at them laughing, which kind of has prompted like you know, the uh, other people who laugh at their stuff and are they're breaking and that's yeah. funny. And it's just like, no, what's funny is like comedy. Is yeah. it funny? Does it stand on its own merit? Comedy is telling a joke and then sitting there and looking at the audience. Yeah. And, and getting them to laugh yeah. without you prompting. Yeah, totally. hundred uh, percent. So Jay Leno said, quote, if Jewel wins his lawsuit with NBC, he will be my new boss. This is the greatest week in trailer park history. That's totally the Jay Leno sense of humor right there. Yeah. That same night on Crossfire, Bill Press said, quote, the guy was seen in a homemade bomb. The guy was seen with a homemade bomb at his home a few days before. CNN has to apologize the next day because that's blatantly unfucking true. Mm-hmm. On February 2nd, 1998, the FBI announced... Eric Robert Rudolph, a Christian anti-abortion domestic terrorist, was a suspect in the Olympic bombing. In October, he was formally charged. Richard went about looking for a new job. He studied handwriting analysis at the police academy, but no police force in the entire state would hire him, which I'm okay with. I mean, honestly. Yep. Uh, he, got, he got a job in construction. The FBI had moved on 
to the theory that it was a member of a militia group. In December, the agency announced a $500,000 reward for anyone who could lead to the Olympic Park bomber. Um, a year later, Richard's life was one of torment. He went to an Atlanta Braves game, and a group taunted him and yelled, quote, are you going to blow up the new stadium, too? Uh, Richard was no longer the same guy. Uh, so many of his friends had talked to the press. He was angry and didn't trust anyone. Watson said, quote, he lost his innocence. He used to trust people. Now he's cynical and paranoid. A few months later, he was offered a job by the chief of police in a small town in Luthersville. The chief believed in second chances and thought what happened to Richard was wrong. People in the town came to really like Richard. He was known to go out of his way to give people the benefit of the doubt. He also saved a choking baby's life during his first months on the job. Hmm. Richard sued and maybe... So, actually, so he sa- in the end, he saved Jay Leno. <laughs> I wonder if this actually made him a better cop. Well, one would think, I mean, but you also could think that it would, you know, that it would, it would make someone want revenge. I mean, it it would, it would go one of two ways. It would either make you a much more empathetic person or it would make you a much more callous person. I could see it going either way. Uh, Richard sued NBC and Piedmont College. Tom Brokaw's... Oh, no. We're about... Uh, did, did, you guys, did you guys see this lawsuit? What? Did you see that? Who are... What are the you... The lawsuit. It's heard that Richard Jewell. It yeah, seems like that? his jewels are coming I'm sorry. Home to I don't know why are we talking to a, a, an old we're guy in a lot around of tr- a, a we're lake in, in Maine. We're in a lot of hot water. <laughs> okay. NBC's in a lot of hot water. A bong, a bong, a bong. His statement cost the network $500,000. Piedmont wow. College, uh, CNN and the New York Post settled for undisclosed amounts. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, owned by Cox, was the only one to fight the lawsuit. Richard bought a house and bought Bobby a condo. The rest of the money went back into suing others. The phrase the jewel syndrome now meant a rush to judgment in newsrooms and First Amendment forums. The FBI's investigation became known as the epitome of false accusation. The case became an investigative catastrophe, revealing longtime resentments of many FBI career pros over Director Free's style and attitude. The Office of Professional Responsibility conducted an investigation. Several agents gave signed statements insisting Director Free was responsible for oversight during the crisis. They were shocked that the director himself was in charge. Free sent an unusual uh, memo to all 25,000 FBI personnel saying he would not be stepping down, and he wasn't fired. Clinton kept him on. He was let go when Bush came into office. I mean, the the idea that Bush was like, Nah, I don't think this guy's not good. (laughs) Well, this is a great one. So he's a terrible, terrible, terrible FBI director. Democrats don't fire him. But Bush wants someone who's like, I need a guy that'll really fuck people up. Like he wants someone worse than bad. Well, they always want their own fucking shithead. Yeah. And if they keep the shithead, you know, it's a really, really shitty shithead. Really shitty shithead. So Eric Rudolph is captured in 2003. Uh, he, He pled guilty to the bombing. Richard lived the life of a small-town cop and got married. In 2005-2006, he received commendations from the governor, who publicly thanked him on behalf of the state for saving lives at the Olympics. 
He died on August 29th, 2007 from complications due to diabetes. He had just been diagnosed six months before and had gone downhill rapidly. Mm. Uh, sources, CNN, uh, Spokesman, Atlanta Magazine, LA Times, New York Times, CNN, and uh, Atlantic, the Lake, Lakeland Ledger. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've, we kind of already touched on it. I mean, because we... I, I, there, obviously, there's still stuff that always will surprise me because you don't remember everything. But overall, I mean, it really is just, you know, it's the story of the feeding frenzy. It's the yeah. it's the way that these places they are bottom feeders, and um, you know, they're they're held up as the authoritarians on, you know, they're 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 the voice of reality, and they're just not. I mean. We've talked about it on, I think, one of our Patreon things where it's just like, you know, this they these are the people right now leading the charge on what is happening with our climate. And all they'll do is tell you that it's really hot and they won't bother to give you the reasons why it's it's why we're falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story. Wolf Blitzer has Wolf Blitzer has has been doing this like. How do these people? And again, it's it's they're just the wing of it. It's the politicians are fucking horrendous, and we all know that. But I almost am driven more insane by them because they have these tactics to make it seem like what they're telling you is crucial. Yeah. When it is complete, it is it is a business model based on selectivism that is another way to make money. Um, and this is this is another good example. I mean, you know, Jay Leno, like, yeah, fuck that. That's bullshit, you know. But at least that guy is a, is supposed to be a big dumb clown. Right. You know, these people who sit there at these fucking news desks with the graphics telling you what's important, what's happening, what's a developing story, what's breaking news. You know, they're just so full of shit. They're just fucking actors. I mean, they really are just actors sitting there reading the scripts that corporations pay them to read. Yeah. And this is another prime example of that sort of bullshit. And it's also there's such classism here. Like, that's just not examined. But these are, you know, a bunch yeah, of right. Ivy League people working for these shitty networks acting like they do something amazing. And they're just fucking shitheads. Yeah, and, and the FBI has this prestige to it where it's just like they are, you know, the, they are super important. I mean, it's, it's when, you know, the problem a lot of times is that, you know, you like you see these fucking people on the like the extreme lunatic right who are now saying like we need to get rid of the FBI. And that then puts the liberal left in on the heels on their heels going like get rid of the FBI. We need the FBI. And it's like, you know, you're not that's fuck. you're fucking crazy. I mean, <laughs> the idea that these places are really doing the bidding of us and our safety is just totally fucking crazy. And it is. It's when you watch like the news networks and they have these like when it says former FBI, current CNN analyst, it's like, don't listen to that fucking person. Yeah. You know, that's just how it should be. Our go to should be to not trust the bullshit coming out of these fucking places. Yeah. It's so frustrating. And when I'm on the road, I watch I put CNN on all the time because it is comical. 
comical. I mean, I just remember, like, I, I, I haven't, I don't watch it like every once every two years. I'll put it on. I definitely watched a lot of the Trump press conferences during COVID, but yeah. But it was, uh, I remember watching it. And I hadn't seen it in years, and all of a sudden there were just like six people sitting around talking, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? You just, oh, yeah. you just have he, a bunch of rich people sitting around, like a bunch of rich journalists sit around talking. They're totally distanced from reality. They don't know reality and, at all. And it's, it's not like they're bringing on people who work in these, right? Whatever the story is about, they're not bringing in Ever. these experts outside. It's their in-house people who are approved to yeah. tell you what they think. But what they think is approved. It's, I mean, when Noam Chomsky says to that guy. When he uh, when he's doing a press for manufacturing consent and the guy is just like, so you think that I'm like a liar and that I'm making stuff up? And he's like, well, no, but um, uh, he basically is like, you wouldn't be sitting there right. unless you would give talk. Like you're basically a pawn. And the guy kind of has this recognition of like, I'm a pawn. <laughs> like you are just kind of a useful idiot. Yeah. You know, you're a useful idiot. Yeah. Man, I mean, I, like I've said this before, but you could do a podcast just on the FBI fuck-ups. Like, you, you, you could do hundreds of yeah. episodes on just... Yeah. I mean, we did the, we did the one about um, the Fort Dix Five, and there's yeah. dozens of stories of them just framing Muslim yeah. people for terrorism. Like, they're just... Yeah. They're just the, the Keystone Cops were created because nobody thought the cops were any good. And then yeah. after that came Dragnet and other shows. Copaganda came and yeah. trained everybody to think that cops are actually smart and good. The reality is still Keystone Cops at the end of the day. Well, and it is, I mean, it is so alive and well now. I mean, you know, the, you know, the Jack Ryan series yeah. or whatever. Like, we still do this whole thing where we're, you know, I mean, I grew up on it. I grew up, like, yeah. you know, on movies making me think that, Oh, yeah, the bad guys are the guys with the drugs and the good guys are the guys who have the badges. You know, you grow up indoctrinated into so much shit that it's really hard to break because it's, you know, it is infotainment. It is, it is, it is, it's propaganda, And that like, you know, that, that is really hard to shake out of. But like yesterday was a really good example when I'm standing in a fucking parking lot and a guy and a cop tells me I can't stand there. Yeah. It's just like, what, what are you doing? They yeah. really are just, they, they are, they are, you know, it's, they're supposed to have a better level of, uh, get, they're, they're supposed to de-escalate. They're supposed <laughs> and, to, and it's so funny to imagine that. They're supposed to de-escalate, but if you think about the job, then think about the people who are drawn to a job in which they can yeah. uh, do. And then yeah. now you're talking about bullies, yeah. right? So it's not, yes. that's not yes. what happens. Yeah. Yes. No, it isn't. It is, uh, it is full. If you're, if you're going to, if you're going to make it to like, you know, the, the chief of police, <laughs> you've had to do a lot of fucked up shit. A lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. yeah. All uh, right. There you go. Well, uh, we sign cars. Gobble, gobble. And cats. We sign cats also. <laughs>